Welcome into another episode of Car Stories. My name is AJ. And I'm Chris. And we are sitting with Associate Road Test Editor for Motor Trend, Carlos Lago. Hello there. Carlos, thank you so much for coming in. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You seem like you have one of the coolest jobs in the world. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I wake up in the morning and, or you know, drive some of these cars, get out and think, well, how did I get this? Why do I deserve this? It I'm is, not sure. <laughs> I, and I'm sure there's, there's much more to it than, than what it appears, which we'll get into, but... Before we do all that, we'll start off, uh, we'll go all the way back to your childhood. What was your first automotive memory? Oh, there's there's a lot. Because um, I was always surrounded by cars. I had uh, family members who were into cars. I always had Hot Wheels and stuff. Um, I think one of my favorites that I always go back to is way back when I was riding, I was a little kid, riding a passenger in a rental car that my dad was driving. And for some reason or whatever, this uh, rental car was a GM you could hit a button on the dash and it would turn the speedo from miles an hour to kilometers per hour. It would just move the needle. Yeah. It wouldn't right. actually, you know, change anything. And he would he would lean over and say, Hey, we're gonna go really fast in three, two, one. And he'd nail the gas, <laughs> it would kick down and hit the button and the needle would shoot up. And I was like, Oh my god, we're going so fast right yeah. now. But <laughs> later I learned it was just a joke and <laughs> All right. But that's probably one of my favorite ones. The things we tell our children to kind of warp their minds. Hey, my parents would put me in front of an arcade game, not put quarters in, and I would not be able to tell the difference. And then finally for my 14th birthday, it it luckily changed. But no, yeah, it's funny when you're a kid, what what you will buy into, especially with something like that. How gullible you are. I'm I'm pretty sure you didn't fully understand what kilometers per hour meant. No idea. I didn't know... Until pro- I don't know, forget what grade you learned that, but that there are different forms of measurements out there. Yeah, you know, it's right. just like that's the speed that whatever miles an hour is. That's the only whatever that number is is how yeah. fast we're going. Yeah, yeah, that's how fast you're going. So when did you sort of you know not be as gullible, I guess, with kilometers and, <laughs> and really sort of start to get into cars and and driving and things like that? I think a lot of people probably around high school. Yeah, you know, um, that's when you really get you know the gas running through. Your what veins. was your first car? Oh, first car. It was a '98 uh, Ford Ranger. All right. right on. Which is, you know, if you're into cars, it's kind of like, yeah, really? But actually, it was great because it was uh, durable, really mm-hmm. durable. And the stuff your typical, you know, car loving dumb teenager, stuff you're going to do in high yeah, school. Yeah, a lot of jumps. Sure. Uh, takes that really well. Sure. A lot of curbs. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things you look back on and think, like, how did I. I get away with that. I probably shouldn't have gotten away with that stuff. You know, <laughs> I have many of uh, fast food trays that have holes worn through them from sliding side. I remember uh, I had a, a job. Um, I, I'm from Ohio and yeah. worked at this amusement park called Cedar Point. And uh, me and one of the other guys I worked with, we both lived in the same neighborhood, which was all the way on the other side of town. And on the way home, whoever was leading would then uh just find their own path and you had to chase them <laughs> and we would go like behind shopping centers and all this stuff f- shut the lights off and just you know go as fast <laughs> as possible with the lights off you know it's like but how is it that yeah. we survive you, you know this? yeah I, my favorite one was there was an intersection in my old neighborhood i grew up in sacramento area and uh there was a it was a major street and then the intersection that you would hit if you hit it at the right speed it was curved in a way that you could jump the truck or jump your car yeah. or whatever and I just remember, you know, every time I hit this intersection, I would just be gunning it towards a red, hoping it would turn green so I could sure. jump over it. I look back, I'm like, that was the dumbest thing I could have possibly done. <laughs> all right, here's my dumb one, and then we'll all, uh, hopefully, our, our, you know, the, the circumstances have worn off. Yes. So, 
Uh, my friend and I, I would spend the night at my friend's house. Uh, we weren't 16. Maybe we were 16, 15, 16. Didn't have our license. Neither one of us had a license. We'd wait for his dad to fall asleep, take their 1990 four-door blue automatic Accord. Ooh. Uh, and we lived in the foothills of the mountains. We would go up to the end of the mountains. This is midnight, you know, one in the morning. So then you're coming down the mountain. The last, there was one turn and then maybe a mile straight away, but downhill. Downhill, one lane each direction, kind of woods on each side, so no cross traffic. And we would go, let's go for a top speed run. <laughs> let's see. And just, you'd come around that turn, you know, 50, nail 60 it. miles yeah, an hour, yeah. nail it. Yeah. He did 105. Yeah. But 105 in the dark, two lane road, in a Honda. No the, experience. No experience. <laughs> Wouldn't you know what to do if something went wrong. The type of seatbelt that just, you know, when you close the door comes, goes over your shoulder. Right. Like a and 91. I, yeah, I look back and I go, if a fox would have jumped Anything. out, if yeah. a tire, we would have been dead. We just, it was yeah. just one of the dumbest things you could ever do. But in the moment, you're shouting yeah. faster, faster, 105, <laughs> 106, 107. Yeah, you're you're invincible at that point. Yeah. Yes. So, at least you can convince yourself you are. Sure. You know. Luckily, <laughs> it didn't uh, end the other way, which any of these stories very easily could have gone the other way. Uh, when did you want to, you know, take your passion and sort of move it into a professional world? When do you want to get in the car world? Yeah, I well, pretty much once I realized you could do this, you know, for a living. I as a you know as a kid, I had a subscription to all the car magazines, mm-hmm. and it never really clicked at a point that reading you know an article and reading a byline that that's a real person mm-hmm. who does this right. for a living. Like that never really made sense until yeah. one day I was like, wait a second. You know, I put two and two together and then realized you could you could do this for a living. Yeah. Reached out to people in the industry and basically set my goal uh, career wise to do that. So mm-hmm. I went to school for journalism, studied that, interned at the college newspaper, interned at the um, at Sacramento at Sac B briefly and basically just focused all my energy at that. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked out. I mean, with a bit of, here you are. a lot of skill. Yeah. Here you are doing a podcast in a basement. <laughs> well, Your parents are proud. At, uh, at Motor Trend, what was the uh, first automotive article you actually had to write? Oh, God. That's a good question. I actually don't know because I came in as an intern. Um, it was probably seven years now yeah. ago. And uh, I was sleeping at the floor at my friend's place who was gracious enough to loan me uh, his a floor, floor, you know, <laughs> for a few months. <laughs> And I, I did everything. I did everything I possibly could. Came in early, stayed late, you know, helped out in every uh, capacity as possible. And it was a lot of, um, you know, I guess the uh, digital stuff was kind of in its infancy at that time. So it was uh-huh. a lot of blog posts, a lot of uh, online posts. And sure. it's expanded uh, dramatically since then. But I actually don't remember the first piece. I'd have to go right. back and look that up. Yeah, and I, I, I bet seeing your name on the byline was uh, the first exciting, time huh? it was in the masthead. I was like, <gasps> yeah, you know, you know, or um, you know, when we do the photo shoots and you see yourself in a car, like either somewhere in the magazine or sometimes on the cover, it's like, yep. <gasps> you know, so my mom actually has a uh, cutouts of stuff on a board. Of course, as moms do. <laughs> no, that's cool. Which has been really neat. Which has been really neat. Yeah, and, it's just been amazing. And, and that's neat. You sort of grown. You talked about the digital being in its infancy, and then so you were sort of thrown into that when it was. We have no clue what's going on. Yeah. Well, to their credit, they were really aggressive about pursuing yeah. it. But yeah, it was sort of, you know, everybody was realizing this is a thing. This is a neat thing we need you to sort, do. Yeah. But you had, I don't know, you know, editors or managers that went, I don't know what this is. Yeah. But I've been we, doing we this for 30 it. years. We so. need to do it. <laughs> yeah. Go yeah. have fun. Yeah. Don't cost me any money. Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, Right place where you know, you're thrown into this because now you do a lot of the video hosting. Exactly. Um, you do the the testing and the reviews and and your company and Motor Trend is 
the biggest automotive YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the maybe one of the biggest it's the biggest channels? automotive channel on YouTube. Period. Yeah, uh, I think it's in the top one percent of all YouTube channels. I think we're at now like two point seven million subscribers. Wow, that's amazing! Which is absolutely huge. And when I started at Motor Trend, when I was an intern, our video team consisted of two people. Yeah, and now it's literally a separate production company that does all kinds of stuff and does wow. these videos on the side. Like it's morphed into this completely huge. So you thing. S- you're still writing. For the magazine and doing this at the yes. same time. Yeah, I'm a busy guy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's been... I remember when we started doing this YouTube thing. YouTube um, gave out funding to basically create content for original programming. Mm-hmm. And um, our video guy, our, our, the guy managing the whole video process, he said, uh, you know, we're, we have this uh, Camaro ZL1 test mm-hmm. we're going to do out in Arizona. Uh, you're gonna, you know, I was assigned to go out and test the car to get the acceleration, braking, handling numbers and all that. And he said, We're, we want to do this video thing. How about we send you know, a camera guy with you or two and uh, film this and use this as original, project, uh, original content. And that's where Ignition came from. Now, that was, now had you done any on-camera work prior to that? Never. Yeah, it was what the was first you, time. Were you nervous about <laughs> totally. it? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally nervous. <laughs> How am yeah. I going to do this? Yeah, it's, it's still getting nervous from time to time. Uh, it was the first time doing it, and it seemed sure. to work out. And people uh, loved it. And after that, we did the um, – that was actually the second, uh, second episode to air – the first episode to air was the uh, Lamborghini Aventador. So it went from filming this, you know, very wow. fast Camaro out in Arizona to flying to Italy and doing this whole production in the span of a day. And so, you know, it was a sink or swim kind of moment. Sure. <laughs> it worked yeah. out all right, yeah. Exciting and scary all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so did you want to do the on-camera? I mean, were you sort of going, nah, I'm a behind-the-scenes guy, I'm a writer? Or when this opportunity came to you, did you go, bring it on? I, I said bring it on because that's yeah. how I kind of approach things. Uh, is that's kind of the reason why I, I got to where I'm at is I just always bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. It, regardless if I'm like ill-equipped for the actual thing to do, yeah. like I figure like oh, if I you know fail you'll, at it, you'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Like I either figure it out or learn how to get better in the process. And if so. you fail at it, it might get you more views. Yeah, <laughs> depends on what true. type of failure it is. That's very true. I, have you had things uh, go go wrong for you Numerous when you were things? Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of things, you know. From uh, nothing, you know, catastrophic, thankfully, no uh, major, you know, health-related issues, but cars breaking, uh, you know, uh, locations falling through, cars not arriving on time. All that, that stuff is just normal with the logistics of setting up the stuff that we have to set up. We're nowhere near as bad as the guys at Roadkill because their whole show is based around the cars that break. It's in the name. Yeah, <laughs> that they it's get supposed working. to be wrong. And yeah. so, like, I look at the stuff they have to go through and I think, man, I'm really – I get a real nice time working with brand new cars that have like cooled seats, you know, warranties and yeah. people you can call when yeah. things break. Yeah, and, more than likely you're not going to have a problem. Yeah, I get a lot of flack from them for living a life of luxury and it's well deserved, you know, yeah. frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of for for people who who are getting their entertainment or their car entertainment through the YouTube channels and YouTube videos, sort of give a snapshot for maybe one episode what goes into the making of it. I mean, between the producing and the planning and you, know, okay. you have to fly to Italy. I mean, how how much legwork goes into creating a single episode? Well, your typical episode of Ignition, I mean, it, it is, for all intents and purposes, a car, car review show. Yeah. You know, so we say we want to do an episode on this car. Okay, when can we get it? We can get it for this week period or this these two weeks because when a car comes in, it also goes through Motor Trend standard testing process. There's going to be photographs taken on it, uh, stories written on it, either for print or for the website or both, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of people who want to get the same bite of the car. So we have to figure out scheduling with all those different components mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know and then a typical shoot is you know we go out to our test track we we're out in fontana pretty much every week testing cars uh, regardless if it's for video or for not we test 
hundreds of cars a year. Mm -hmm. um, so we go out there. That's where we film the testing stuff. We'll spend a day on the road. Um, most A lot of times now we're spending a day at a track, uh, flying in Randy Pope's a lot of the time to have him set lap times in cars that mm -hmm. deserve that sort of treatment. You know? Yeah. And that's that's typically it. Uh, it's typically maybe three three or four days of actual production, and then probably a week or two of editing post production, uh, because it takes a lot of time to ingest all the footage that we shoot. There's some ratio that they use. I, I forget it off the top of my head, but it's like a minute of you know edited footage. Footage is like an hour of raw footage. Right. So oh, I'm sure. Ingesting yeah. and and modifying and you know putting all that stuff together is really time consuming. Yeah. Uh, but definitely. the results look great because our production quality has never been higher uh it's we've put a lot of resources yeah they, they look good the yeah videos it, look good. you know as i guess uh, as equipment gets cheaper and as people get better and progress yeah. it's it's right on par with television exactly it exactly. is it is a tele it you don't want to call it a youtube show anymore <laughs> you want to just call it a show yeah exactly it just instead of being on nbc you yeah. are your show is yeah. on youtube yeah it's weird to label them internet videos because of all the work we put into them that's yeah. what they are at the end of the day but at the same yeah. time it's like they're you know there's kind of this new area being formed with the yeah now media. that you can watch anything on your television exactly you know exactly. if you have the right technology to get access to youtube like you know hulu or something like that or, or netflix or any of those kind of things you know, all this extra content that's happening is, is starting to come together, and it's really uh, really pretty cool. Yeah, a guy recording his Halo kills is making YouTube uh, viral yeah. videos. You, know, you you guys are, you know, creating content. You know, that's a that's a good point. How do you compete out there? Because, you you, you know, one time there was uh, just a couple of different car shows that were sure. doing reviews. Now you're competing with television. Now yeah. you're also competing with every everybody who makes a magazine also is doing video. Mm -hmm. Plus all these guys uh, that are just doing videos on their own, plus your auto blogs and your jalopniks of the world. How do you create content to try to compete with those people, or do you? Yeah, absolutely. The um, there's two parts to it. The first part is whatever competition there is makes us better because mm -hmm. we're always like we want to be better than whoever yeah, is sure. next up, and so that's what you know kind of sharpens us. At the same time, we realize that if you're going to watch a video on the internet, you're not going to watch just one. Yeah. You know, you may, you're gonna, if you're interested in a car or a video game or something, you're going to keep investing and keep watching videos yeah. on this stuff all day. You know, Netflix, um, they keep saying that people binge watch full, mm -hmm. se full seasons of yeah. TV shows in a day, right, over, a, over the course of the weekend. Yep. People just keep watching this stuff. So it's not like you're limited to just one. So we want to be the best, of course, but we also realize that there's going to be a wide berth of uh, people out there watching tons of this stuff across. And that is sort of the beauty with with what this online space is. And I always use the podcast for an example. Yeah. You know, I come from before this, the radio world where it was your station. And then you had everyone else who's the enemy because if they're not <laughs> listening, if they're listening to someone else. That's less time spent listening to you. Yeah. Whereas I say, you know, we don't compete with the other car podcasts because you can download ours. You can download Adam Corolla's. You can download, uh, you know, the smoking tires yeah. and listen to them all. Yeah. You, you don't have to, pick or choose you know it's not like yeah. if you're listening to ryan seacrest you're not listening to big boy exactly so it's it, it is sort of a neat it it breaks down that level of competition yeah where everyone can sort of help each other excuse me help each other and work together but from a content standpoint you really do need to stand out because they're only going to watch i would think they're probably only going to watch the uh review of a particular kind of car so many times in so many different outlets so yeah. How do you make yourself stand out? Well, that's where we get back to the, you know, the production quality of it. We do 
instrumented testing, which is something I don't think anybody else does in the sort of the video world. Uh, for some, a lot of the hot lap stuff that we're doing for ignition and head to head, where we actually display live data that we've actually gathered mm -hmm. with our various testing hardware, and we display that on the screen while the car is doing the hot lap that it actually did. Yeah, that's something that I don't think anybody else out there is doing, mm -hmm. unless I haven't looked hard enough. If somebody is, good on you, you know. But um, that the production quality, our level of expertise, um, you know, the hosts on from Motor Trend, from what we do, we've driven everything. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been everything, and I distinctly remember doing the comparison between the least expensive cars on the market, the $9,999 Hyundai and Nissan Versa, and I've also, you know, tested the P1 and LaFerrari and everything in between. So right. that gives us, like, a really broad spectrum of knowledge to pull mm -hmm. from when it comes to reviewing cars. Makes sense. Yeah. So to get into what you've driven, what <laughs> what have you driven, or what have you tested or reviewed recently that you've absolutely loved, and some that you've absolutely not loved? Well, the the probably the my favorite episode in the past few months was the Charger or Challenger Hellcat. I always get those two confused. The Challenger Hellcat was just amazing. Yeah. I, I got into it thinking, yeah, it's a forty five hundred pound two door coupe with seven hundred horsepower. I mean, like that's of course it's going to be fast. Blah blah yeah. blah. I really liked that car. <laughs> that's, what, yeah. that's what people are saying. It's, it's a surprise <laughs> yeah. how refined and how yeah. great of a car it is. Yeah, so we dynoed it, and it made some you know ridiculous amount of power. Uh, we drove it on the road. It was you know really nice and smooth and comfortable. What's amazing about that car is that it's a 700-horsepower you know muscle car that just starts every morning without yeah. issue. You don't have to adjust anything. It doesn't overheat anything. in traffic. Right? You yeah. can leave it and drive and don't have to worry about shifting, and it just feels like a normal Challenger. Like, that's amazing. Cars are getting crazy. And then we can you get a manual in that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's almost how heavy is the clutch? I haven't driven it yet. I've oh, only okay. driven the automatic, unfortunately. The, I think though that's one car you want in an automatic I'd versus be, the stick. I'd be curious to find out because that auto is really, really good. Uh, that's it's what I'm really saying. Good. As yeah. as that gets better, and yeah, like with the I think with the clutch <laughs> and in everyday traffic, yeah. that is going to get tiring fast. There is something fun it's not fast but there's something fun about controlling an absurd amount of horsepower through a manual that there's, yeah. there's no real reason to it like you're just shifting just thinking this is really dumb but like it's fun you know but try so i don't know on a car like that sitting in traffic you just leave in first all day <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah there's so much torque there. i commuted to college an hour each way with a integra gsr manual so mm -hmm. yeah i you know the shifting in traffic eh, it's i i did it in uh, rush hour pretty much every day, yeah. morning and back. So I, I'm a, I don't know if I... You're seasoned. Yeah, that argument doesn't really get much from me. Right. <laughs> so what have, what have you driven that you were excited to drive and just sort of let you down a little? That's a tough question to answer because uh, the stuff that we get for the show tends to be the hottest, greatest stuff yeah. on the market and everything... And it's the nicest version of their car their exactly offer. we're really spoiled in that regard so everything's been pretty fantastic actually <laughs> like <laughs> everything works now I mean, there, there yeah. are no bad cars anymore yeah exactly yeah. Uh, you get back from driving some of these cars and you realize like yeah you know the hellcat especially we i uh, forgot to finish we did the uh, standing mile with that and it was uh, three tenths of a second slower to the standing mile than the last corvette zr1 we did wow you know and this wow. is like this is, inc this is incredible <laughs> yeah this is yeah. or it was a the Two challenge yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was it's amazing. Cars they are need amazing. To, they need to have it be the Hellcat Challenger and then the four door one. The charger. No 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 no. But <laughs> oh, everyone keeps forgetting Charger Challenger, which one's which, what's two what just go. We have the Challenger and then we have the same car with four doors, basically. <laughs> yeah. Make that <laughs> the, the Challenger name. four door. Yeah. That'd it's, be nice. It's, it's just it's it's I don't know, it's like as we get older yeah. or just stuff gets more confusing. I can't remember what numbers is or what. 
you know what what you know different classes mean what and it's just yeah i can't even do challenger or charger anymore they old man change, aj they should change the whole marketing structure just to fix this minor inconvenience i would like to, <laughs> I would like to. his mark <laughs> i do it all the time i get them all confused and i'm like wait which one's which <laughs> I, I think you could you know get ralph Ralph Giles on the phone. No, we'll kind of yeah. just say, hey, hey, this, is, this is AJ. He has, he has a few comments he would like to voice to you. So what, What uh, you know, you've obviously done some pretty wild cars like that. Have, what kind of wild adventures have you been on as uh, oh, uh, part of this crew? We uh, Last year, we went to Cuba for an epic drive. Um, yeah, I was reading about it that. It was amazing. I'm, I'm a quarter Cuban, and so we actually found... Um, the house where my grandparents lived, where my dad was born, my aunt were born. It was oh, wow. an amazing experience. Wow. Uh, that was a, a, just a bizarre adventure just because that country is just, it's just beautiful, but mm-hmm. completely um, just in absolute poverty. But right. everybody's still right. like really happy. Uh, so it's this really weird mix. And also, of course, there's no cell phone. There's nothing like that. So you can't, you know, stay glued to Facebook. The entire time you're walking around, you really just have to take in the city. And you're yes. sort of back in time. Yeah, it was amazing. And Did you it, geek out over all the cars? Oh, man, the cars were. So we like to be romantic about the old Chevys in Cuba, right? right. There's nothing romantic about it. They are, like, in dire shape. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You stand on a, you stand in an intersection, you will, like, choke on the carbon, you know, stuff in the air. It's really, they're really rough out there. They're all running. Um, uh, I think diesels. Yeah, like Truck Korean diesel, diesel or yeah. Russian diesel engines. They've all been transplanted in because diesel's easier to get and it's mm-hmm. cheaper to get. Uh, we found one car. It was in the it was in the video where a guy made the converted a generator, a gas power or diesel powered generator for a welding station into an engine for his car. It was it was absolutely bizarre. And Weird. It's, that's the kind of stuff they have to do because they don't have the parts. Yeah. To do with you know. Are they as car obsessed as we think they are? It's more of a necessity. Yeah. You know they they have to be able to drive around to get around um but it's a necessity is there it it seems at least from the things i've read and seen it looks like there's this tremendous sense of pride of those cars though is that the case or is it just um over romanticized by the media the people who really care do really care we met a couple guys who are really into their car and took a lot of pride in cleaning it the actually the when we got the drive ultimately it was a taxi driver uh who we just you know rented for the day essentially and he let Mm -hmm. us drive his car he was very particular about how clean his car was. You know, mm-hmm. if you close the hood the wrong way, he would say, no, 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 no. This is how you do it. And he'd show you the right way to do it. There are guys who take a ton of pride uh, because it's also a means of business for a lot of them. You know, yeah. if, you're, there's, if you're a tourist there with your wife or your spouse or whatever coming uh, to do your honeymoon or to see a vacation, you want to rent a nice car to get driven around the city with, you want to make sure it's a nice car. And a lot of these right. cars take a lot of work to do that. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of people, though, it's just means of transportation. And it just is what it is. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. What um when it comes to going to Cuba or going out to Italy, how much is it, you know, higher up saying, "Hey, Carlos, we got an idea for you," mm-hmm. or you know, get on the next flight? And how much is it going? Hey, guys, what <laughs> if we did this? Uh, Cuba was the latter. It was, yeah. "Hey, we should do this," and then everybody's like, oh, "Okay, let's do it." And it was like, "Oh, wait, we're doing this," you know, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> uh, a lot of the typical stuff that you see on ignition is maybe part of it, just a press trip. Mm. Where the car, that's where the car is, and that's where we gotcha. do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's tends to not be as ideal because we, we like to have more control over the shoot and all that stuff. Yeah. but you know, we'll, 
get your time in the if car. If the car is good enough, I mean, we'll go, we'll go do so that. So there isn't yeah. a lot of, hey, Angus, <laughs> LaFerrari, <laughs> Nürburgring. We got to run out the track. I can't mm-hmm. be in traffic. We got to run out the track. Yeah. Um, next week, I'm thinking, maybe? <laughs> Actually, getting back to the crazy ideas, uh, my second year, I think, when the Ford Transit first came out, uh, we were in a meeting, creative meeting, and um, I just kept thinking of that old Saturday Night Live bit, like living in a van down by the river. Yeah, yeah Chris Farley. And I'm like, why, why, why don't we live in, a, live in a van, live in the transit? And they're like, oh, whatever. A week later, the van shows up, mm-hmm. and they say, well, here you go. <laughs> so I actually had to live in the van for a week. <laughs> were now, you were you thinking, I uh, <laughs> no, I didn't really mean that? Or? It was kind of like, uh, whoa, I actually have to follow through on this sort of thing. And uh, I did it in my neighborhood. I lived by LAX. Okay. And uh, did it in the neighborhood out there, and that was really rough. <laughs> I'm sure you, it was it was a great idea on paper, but actually doing it by you know the last few days, I was like, I need to, I need a shower, I need yeah. to get out of here, I need to not just sit in these four metal walls for a few more hours. Like this is really rough. What did, did you, you do? Still go to work? Did you yeah. commute? Yeah, in commuted. It? Went went to work. Went down to the beaches. Saw did the people beaches avoid you at work? Oh yeah, or yeah, yeah had a you... real bad stench. Yeah, I yeah. bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I've, uh, you know, if it helped people understand the Ford Transit Connect, and you, know, uh, you yeah. entertained the masses. Yeah. Well, I determined it was a consumer, you know, uh, yeah. investigation sort of thing. There's a lot. A lot of homeless people buying vans you should and reading motor trend and reading so, motor exactly and if you're thinking like hey you know i could do this you probably shouldn't there's there's better okay. alternatives out there i think yeah <laughs> with the result <laughs> i have a friend going uh they're they're newlyweds and they're going to hawaii for another friend's wedding next month and they like to creatively save money on a vacation so they're you know they're real big in like airbnb stuff yeah, like yeah. that um he told me they on Airbnb in Hawaii, they found a guy who's renting out his van again. All right. And you could run his van again for nice. 40 bucks a day. All and, right. And I just went. Smells like pot and <laughs> this uh, is salt water. Not, <laughs> I, whatever photo of the romantic, you know, waterfall ocean yeah. in the background with this van. You guys are going to hate each other at the end of this. This is going to be miserable, and I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait to hear story. all about this. If anything, you'll get a great story out of it. Yeah. You know, ultimately, and that's what we do. So there, yeah, there, there, are, there are people that – now, what have, have – has something come to you where you went, no, this is too dangerous or too stupid or vice versa? We tend to stay in the realm of possibility with a yeah. lot of things. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think – well, when we did, we did a – we tried to do a top speed in on the Autobahn with an RS7, and – realizing later that was probably not a smart thing to do with cameras everywhere and somebody in the passenger seat monitoring audio and all that yeah. like it was it was an awesome experience but the potential you know danger associated with that sure when you realize that you think later it's one of those things like jumping the truck across the intersection yeah. like that was a bad idea what uh, what was the top speed <laughs> uh we saw 309 uh, kilometers per hour so that's, so that's uh one hundred three or something indicated Wow. I think so. Uh, that's indicated, so that's probably a lot lower than that. But Well, yeah, different tires. Yeah, you know, but, you know, without helmets, without fire suppression, without a uh, cage, without harnesses, without you know, any sort of stuff like that, you know, that really <laughs> could you, have been bad. And, and you also set a land speed record, didn't you? Yes, yes. I have the, um, oh, God, I can't remember the, the code. It's like production H supercharged 1.5 liter below blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we did a, a land speed record with a Volkswagen Jetta Hybrid. Wow. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That makes perfect sense. Because why not? <laughs> it was an amazing experience. first time to Bonneville, and um, that was quite a quite a thing. Uh, just seeing the freak show of cars out there because the oh, yeah. cars are awesome and really crazy. I mean, just when they are single purpose 
built to just do. There's some creative stuff. Oh it's a Gulfstream jet yeah. on two wheels, essentially. Exactly. And they do a really good job. It's all backyard engineering stuff. You know, they do. Yeah. The organizers really like to keep it all the OEs out of it. So it's just guys, you know, in their backyards or in their shops at home doing this stuff. And you'll see really like neat. a body of a car you recognize, yeah. but it's got a 12-foot nose extension on the front of it making a doorstop out of the overall shape. And the shape. driver's sitting in the back seat or something yeah. because there's just so much engine and they have to move the firewall in. Right. You're laying on amazing. his back, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So how did, why that car? Why did you get... Uh, Volkswagen wanted to do it. Yeah. It was, it was that. And uh, they said, do you want to drive it? Was, was like, it a yeah. stock? No, no, it was oh, okay. it was it was a built. It was very very built uh, yeah. for the purpose. It, it fit the class definitions for a production car, which is basically stock body. And stock body is actually a big issue when you're trying to do land speed records because you know as speed increases, you need like exponentially more power to get every additional mile yeah. an hour. Mm -hmm. So it's really difficult to do uh, on some of these economy cars like around 200 or o yeah. over. It's got a little brick shape. It's yeah, yeah. It's really now, tough. Did you uh, you know tape all the gaps and close off the <laughs> grill and all that kind of stuff too? Everything or? permittable by the rules. Gotcha. How about that? <laughs> gotcha. I, I got to find out because it's so funny. There's so many different – because the land speed, you think of the guy in the blue flame doing like 728, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. But, I mean, you could set a land speed record going like – 36 and a half miles an hour. There are people who do it. Uh, basically, if you show up with something and you don't conform to a class, they'll make a class for you. You know, <laughs> And then you win the, you yeah, win the record. And that's, and that's kind of how you can, everybody can go and compete. Yeah. That's yeah. what really keeps the field competitive is because you know, people go out there with one car and try to get four different class wins. Mm -hmm. right. you know, regardless of changing fuel or how, you know, changing engines or changing you know, uh, induction setup. People just do sure. that just to be competitive and one-up each other. It's really neat. All right, uh, next year we're starting the 20-mile-an-hour club. <laughs> so 200-mile-an-hour. Yeah. Or just how, what the lowest classes you can go and just keep breaking those records, just checking them all off the Yeah, list. I bet there's, a, there's no uh, slow speed record for Bonneville. <laughs> you just, the, the longer, the, the you know, it takes you about three hours to get down the track. I, I, I heard, because someone was explaining to me where you, I don't know, cheat, or, but you, you sort of cheat the system, is your push car. Mm -hmm. you, you build up your push car to get you as fast going as possible. And now it's gotten to the point your push car will get up to like 90, 95, push the car, it will kind of sink down to like 85. <laughs> like you've started way beating the record and then you're sort of slowing down as you're crossing the line. A lot of the times the push car has to get out of the way before a yeah. certain increment. And uh, I don't know if there is, a, there might be a max speed limit they can do. I'm not 100% sure. But every, everybody seemed to just, it's basically just to get the car rolling because a lot of times the gears are just so tall yeah. that they're actually like couldn't start under their own power and gear right. because they're just not geared for that. They're geared for like way off the chart. Uh, but the, yeah, <laughs> the push start is always an interesting thing. We started under our own power. Oh, you okay. have to use a push start. Yeah, a lot you of the, know, stinking push car. Yeah, push start. <laughs> well, it was interesting. You know, it was a it was a hybrid. It had an electric motor. Yeah, we started with the engine off. And they'd say go. I'd hit the gas. The engine would kick on, and then we'd take off. Oh wow! Yeah, it was really it was really interesting. So yeah. what uh what's left for you? What do you mean? What what is on your? Uh, I can't. I need. To, I haven't driven this yet. I need to drive it. I want to go to this track. I want to do this trip. I still haven't driven the Nurburgring. Okay. I still haven't been there. And that's... If it makes you feel better, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> I need to do that. I need to go to Le Mans. Sure. I haven't done that. And I need to go see um, the uh, uh, Monte Carlo GP. 
Yes. And that's and those are like the three on my list, and hopefully I can do those soon. Meanwhile, kids in Africa just need water, and you need <laughs> understood. How for, see, this is why I say at the very beginning, it's, like, it how am I fortunate enough to do no, this? It, like, it's, look, somebody's got to be doing it. Ex- you know, <laughs> things you couldn't afford to pay <laughs> if for. If you <laughs> weren't going, if you weren't, I mean, I, look, I don't want to call you a hero or anything, <laughs> uh, you know, doing the Lord's work, but if you weren't going out and doing all these things, kids back at home on their laptops wouldn't be killing five minutes at a time. So really, yeah, and you, I'm sure there's some kid that was doing the exact same thing you were when you were a kid reading magazines, but they're watching you on a video going, <laughs> oh, man, I want to do that when, I, <laughs> when I'm old enough. So yeah. I'm sure you're inspiring, you know. I, that'd be great because like, how I, I believe I've got to this position was just saying, like, well, what's stopping you from doing this? Yeah. Like, that's what I always tell myself. Sure. Was like, I want to do this. Okay, what's stopping me from doing it? And then I would ultimately find a way to get there. And that's really what I tell people. And yeah. they say, like, how do I get into this industry? And I say, well, what's stopping you? Yeah, Find out what that it. is and stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. go do it, you know. <laughs> and you may have, you know, failures. You may have success. And that's kind of how the, you know, path of success is lined is with lots of failures. No, and, and you had a good way of just saying just show up. Just yeah. show up and don't think about the paycheck and think about the hours <laughs> and just expose yourself to it and dive in as much as you can. Exactly. What's, exactly. The, uh, what's the next big car on your list to drive? Oh, uh, I think we're going to do the, the Urcon soon. Oh, that'll be exciting. We'll have that featured soon. And then we'll also have... Have you actually driven it yet? Or have I drove you it, yeah, I drove it on oh, the okay. press launch way back. But I'm eager to get more time with it because the time in the car then was fairly limited. Right. But that's a car I really want to spend more time yeah, with. Yeah, That should be really cool. Uh, also, the 911 GT3, of course. I've always been a huge fan of that car. And then also our 240SX. <laughs> that is going to be fun. Yeah, you were talking about it. Yeah, that was off the air. Tell us, yeah. tell us people more on the air what, about the 240. We're putting a basically a Camaro SS drivetrain in a 240SX. Uh, we have a 6.2-liter LS3 E-Rod V8 uh, and a Tremec T56 Magnum, the six-speed manual that we're putting in. And uh, the remarkable thing is that it kind of fits. Sure. Uh, and fits well. Uh, and we're still working on that. That's why I've... I'm kind of tired right now because it's been a lot of long nights in the garage, and I sure. have to go back after this and keep working on it. But it should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's really neat. Really and neat the, the E-Rod uh, combination, we haven't talked about that yeah. on the show before. But, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. You can actually order everything you need from the factory to put a ton of horsepower in a car and have it be smog legal. That's and actually be able thing. to change the yeah. engine in your car. Yeah, uh, drastically doubling Absolutely. the amount of cylinders in your yeah, car in yeah. this case. They do they do an uh, E-Rod LSA, too, which is the CTS-V supercharged V8. Wow. And that just seemed silly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that would what? be stupid. Like, that's crazy, but it's a really cool thing. It comes with a sticker you slap on your firewall. Um, you, you know, go get it smogged, and you're good. Like, so they just smog it to the specs for that motor, then? I haven't actually fit gone down that, that road yet, but we're, that's the next step once we get it running. The first, the first hurdle is getting it running, getting it driving, and then the next step is legalization, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's been a really great learning process. Oh, I didn't sure. have a lot of um, mechanical know-how or skill as a kid. I didn't have the access. I had the desire, but didn't, yeah. oftentimes didn't have the access. And so I'm learning a lot while doing this process. And you know, it's it's a relatively easy swap, uh, considering we're three weeks in and not sleeping. Uh, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, it's it's really easy compared to a lot of uh, engine swaps where you have to fabricate, yeah. you know, new bell housings or hammers parts out. Uh, but it's a great learning process, too, and it's it's going remarkably well considering. It's like my grandfather always said. It's as easy as dropping an LS1 <laughs> or an LS3 into a 240SX. Yeah, that's a common phrase. It's a common <laughs> phrase. It's, it's, popul- it's a popular enough swap to the point now where they got it down. They make swap kits. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's three companies. We, we got the swap kit from Fueled Racing, and it's literally just bolt in. 
you know, we keep the stock uh, for any roll, any roll bar. You don't have to modify the cross member. It just sits in place, and it's kind of remarkable uh, that it all fits in there. Yeah. You and know? you went out and did a little drifting beforehand. Oh, lots of drifting. A little beforehand. comparison I mean, drifting. Yeah, you got to you got to <laughs> set a baseline drift, and then we sure. put on some suspension sure. components and tires and stuff, and did you know a step up drift, and then once we get the V8, we'll do the V8 drift. <laughs> Chris, we got to start explaining to people here. Well, you got to do a baseline drift. Always. Yeah. yeah. You gotta, I, you I think that, that's a t-shirt. Right there. <laughs> Before we do well, this. you got to do a baseline drift. You got to get a baseline drift first. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, for we're me. looking forward to seeing what's going on with the 240, so keep us updated. And uh, everybody, check out Carlos. Follow him on Twitter, twitter.com slash Carlos Lago, and pick up uh, an issue of Motor Trend. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one.